This is episode 17 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up, NRF Big Show, what we thought. Holiday spending up. Early retail wreckage. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I'm joined by Jose Chan. How are you, Jose? I'm well. How are you, Todd? Good. You know, we're two days out of NRF here, so um, just, you know, a little bit of recovery in order, I think, for everybody, all 30-some thousand attendees, I'm sure, you know? Yeah, well, you said retail wreckage. I'm not sure. NRF wreckage. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And our feet, NRF foot wreckage. Exactly. I mean, that. I feel like that show floor gets bigger every year i I, maybe just because i I discover more of it every year it's a pretty big place uh to get around from one end to another from the main expo hall to the third floor it's a lot yeah it it is a lot and for those that aren't aware of where it is it's at the javits center in new york city so i think it's been there jose for how long over a hundred years really not at the that's a bigger number than i thought okay (laughs) <laughs> I didn't really think that was around for a uh, hundred years. That, that's what I was told, at least. Yeah. Uh, someone has been going to it. The person that I spoke to told me, yeah, I've been going for 30 plus years. Pretty amazing. I was incredible when she told me that. I was like, wow. But it's not always been at the job. It's obviously. So it's changed locations, but the show has been continuously held every year. Right. Well, why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about... I guess our humble opinions about NRF since we were both there um, the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were there a little earlier for uh, the student session since you have a professorial role. Um, so maybe if you, you know, just since since it's from a, a timeline perspective that took place before the show itself. Uh, I guess you're you're kind of thirty second on you know the the the, the student session as to what was. What was talked about there, and then maybe we can get into some of our likes and dislikes of the main show. Sure. So, so the whole purpose of that student portion is to help students understand the context of what's going on, and they framed it. And the, what they framed was pretty much what we'll be talking about, except it's just a different lens to your point. So, it was Friday to Sunday, <clears throat> Friday to Saturday. Is that what it was? Friday. Yeah, it was Friday, Friday Saturday. to Saturday. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they talked about the overall state of retail to help introduce the concept. And then they broke it down into different elements. And I think a lot of, uh, obviously, from the from the more basic stages, uh, but it still very much relates to what we'll be talking about um, in the next few minutes about the NRF. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, it seemed like there was, uh, I guess I'm comparing maybe to last year, and you have a little bit more of an extensive um, history with NRF than I do, but... You know, last year was a lot of omni-channel conversation. Um, omni-channel seemed to be infused in all of the booth messaging and many of the sessions, whether it was the Exhibitor Insights, otherwise known as Big Ideas Sessions, or if it was the main stage. <clears throat> there was a lot of talk about that. This year there was still, right? But maybe not as much because it's becoming uh, a bit of a saturated term, it seems like. You know, the the the, the issue itself, right? The The issue of of joining that online and offline experience and data and, you know, blending it together to form a holistic, you know, retail operation is still a goal. 
and many have not done that yet. And those that have done it maybe are, are running into some stumbling blocks around the efficiencies of that and being able to actually carry it out profitably. Um, You're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been talked about so much. It's just a reality to your point, right? And because it's a reality, uh, now you just try to figure out, to your point, solutions uh, that might be able to to help with what your omni, particular omni-channel, specifically digital and brick and mortar and bringing those two together issues are. And that's, I think, that we what we saw at the show. Absolutely. Which is just that. It's more about the pain points rather than omni-channel because it just is. <laughs> right. It just is. Exactly. Exactly. So it seems like there is there's groups, um, you know, these retailers are, uh, are, you know, are, I don't want to say aimlessly roaming, but they possibly could have been uh, roaming each aisle, looking at the various solutions, probably getting completely overwhelmed by uh, perhaps some similar messaging, um, some similar solutions in ways that are slightly different, but they don't really know. And also that they are looking around for, they're looking for on for solutions that maybe to problems that they don't know they have. You no, know? you're absolutely right. And and if you think about it's not meant to be derogatory or insulting. It's it's absolutely the the truth in a way. In that right, they've got so much going on. They've got um, many problems up and down the board. They don't. They know there's solutions out there to their problems, but they need to actually define where that problem is in their you know in their retail processes. I guess right. Right, and you're absolutely right. And I think wh- why is this the case? I think um, if you remember the type of people that let's just compare this center up to last year's, right? If you compare the people that you and I uh, probably spoke to this year versus last year, I would say, uh, and maybe it, it was the case with you, maybe it's just me, I noticed that it, they were less technical. And it was actually this year more the business people yeah. uh, that came rather than the CIOs, CTOs, or anyone in IT. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what contributed to this feeling of, of not knowing exactly what to do since a lot of the initiatives are now being driven by the business people rather than IT. Interesting. So you've noticed that over the past few years, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, it's, it's so interesting because now – since going back to our earlier point, since Omnichannel just is, it just isn't, let's say, an IT issue. It mm-hmm. really, overall, it's a business issue. So uh, I saw a lot of people that were just more business people just this year to last year, just very, as I, in the conversations uh, throughout the show. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the line of business is, is the heart of, of where the change can be made, right? And they've got the most decision-making capabilities in terms of finding solutions or finding uh, finding the problems and related, solu- related solutions or uh, identifying things that will help them perform better as retailers, no matter what it is, you know? So, and it does, of course, there's always that other angle on, okay, how do they actually, when they find, you know, when they're roaming through NRF uh, hallways and, and passing by booths and speak to vendors, you know, how, once they get the information, how do they know, for example, if it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, if it's some type of an analytics solution, how do they know if it's going to work with their existing solutions or, you know, they, they may not understand fully those integration issues, but still they know what the problem is from a business perspective and from a retail operations perspective. So from hopefully from there on, they can 
make make the right decision and actually fall through with it with IT's help. But yeah, it seems like IT is definitely not as present as as you might expect them to be. Exactly. And and if you think about it, I mean, I think that's why this you you sensed this feeling of um, let's say being as you said overwhelmed. Right. So if it's out of your domain expertise, yes, I have this problem. I could probably address it with this uh, solution perhaps. But what about this other solution that might address or says it addresses the same problem? Right. And it becomes, to your point, quite difficult to kind of figure out, okay, what's what really is the answer? Yeah. It, it, it's, and it's, it's up to the vendors to differentiate and be very clear about what they do because this is going to leave um, – you know, this is going to leave the big guys like Oracle, for example, uh, really with with easy pickings because you know they already they're already for the most part present in these retailers and uh, any of the other large big box vendors, and you know further convincing retailers that they need you know X module to help with X problem is going to be a lot easier. So a lot of those little smaller vendors that are that are out there in NRF trying to state their case, state the problem, state their solution. It's really going to be a you know a challenge and something they they'll step up and and become noticed and make that make that solution clear to uh, those retailers that are walking around in packs and droves really interested but not sure where to look right so that, exactly. I mean, that was interesting to see maybe it was just more apparent to me maybe not different than any other year but perhaps the you know what we'll talk about later perhaps the more the pressures with the uh, the store closings and things like that are are starting to put more pressures on this one time of year when retailers are able to get out. And go check out the new, the new blood and the new solutions, the new things uh, that are out there that can help them, um, kind of give them a booster shot starting the year and get them in the right direction. So, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, if you think about it, you're you're really coming to these shows, not just NRF, but any trade show generally. Yeah. If it's to really find something different, something new, as you said, to solve an existing pain point, or maybe there's a pain point, or maybe there's just a way of doing something better. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And people come with an open mind. It's not like, oh, this is the way uh, I, I've done it. It's just a great environment to uh, to learn, if yep. nothing else. Agreed. Agreed. And, 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 and I would also add that this year was no different than any other uh, of the few years prior, probably with uh, the robots running around. And the, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's interesting. It seems like it's 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 a little bit of a stretch in some cases. I mean, I could see. I think there was a session that you and I sat in, the Intel session, and they they spoke about how more autonomous robot type things are 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 going to be, you know, uh, roaming aisles and stores, checking stock and inventories, and and also, uh, of course, in warehouses where they've really, I think, where they really started and maybe where their real purpose is. But uh, I don't know. We've talked about the Lobots with Lowe's. And those those robots kind of milling around the floor, answering questions. But um, I've never seen one anywhere outside of NRF. Uh, however, maybe we will in the next few years. But but the challenge I think is going to be how is that really that investment in that expensive robot, which which even in the Intel presentation experienced some connectivity issues with the network. And if it's that sensitive to uh, you know to network connectivity and completely shutting down and being inoperable if it loses a little bit of of Wi-Fi connection uh, what kind of an investment is that and where is that going to go for the retailer <laughs> so I don't know those things can't be cheap it's all I got to say no, uh, no no I'm with you so, yeah I don't I, know. I'm with you I'm a little bit it, doubtful there yeah but look it's it's a little bit about showing again the innovations and yes. everything that 
is presented may not actually come to life. It's kind of like right. what Amazon does, right? Yeah. Just because they show us drones doesn't mean that it's going to be a reality anytime soon or, or at all in sure. this country. It might be an element of that, but it, it's just uh, trying to put your best foot forward. Right. It's the hype machine. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It does, no, it does get it does get uh, technologies notice. It gets concepts notice, which is probably the more important thing at NRF was the concepts they're trying to convey. And sometimes it's driven by that that flashy technology or something that's new and different. Um, and it causes retailers to think differently about about their uh, about their challenges and how technology can help solve that. So I'm all for it. I think it's great. It's just the robot thing is just a little bit silly sometimes, um, in my opinion. So let's. Uh, yeah. Unless you have anything else to say, Jose, I didn't mean no. to cut you off there, but I figured no, we could no, no, move no. over to um, all I was going to say is I fully agree. Is all I was okay. going to say. Yeah, of course I'm kind of. I feel like I'm more cynical than you with some of this stuff on this show, but that's okay. I guess one of us has to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> all right. So holiday spending. Uh, we were going to talk about this in a different episode, I think, but we got delayed. But anyway, it's 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 good to cover this very quickly because now that we're even farther into January, there's. There's um, more metrics coming out, and and at the at the show um, is it Matthew Shea, who's the president and CEO of NRF? Yeah, Matt Shea. Matt exactly. Shea. So he he did a you know he did his keynote. I think he did something every day, didn't he? Or was it just the first day? I can't remember. He usually does it the first first day, and he may have other let's say panels that he might be on, right. but the big day is usually the first day. Yeah, awesome. Um, so he presented, uh, you know, he did his keynote. I didn't see it, but I got a, a snippet out of it. And the snippet was about holiday spending, which was, uh, which was something we covered a couple times and it, and it really, it ended up really well for, for an all ends of, of, of retail in general. Um, I would say it ended up stronger for e-commerce than it did in store, but overall spending, when you look at, um, retail sales during November and December compared to the previous year, I think that's the metric there. Um, mm-hmm. It increased four percent over that year, and that exceeds. I think. I think NRF predicted somewhere around three, three and a half, uh, so that exceeds their predictions. And honestly, even if it is a, a you know, point four uh, of a of a percentage point um, higher, it's still higher. It's still enough to you know uh, give retailers that kick in the butt they need to get started this year, and to you know to to keep the pace moving and give them maybe a little bit, of, just a tiny bit of wiggle room. To make this year a good one for uh, overall for their initiative, so no, no, I I, I would ag- agree that yeah, that it's great, but but if you think about it, sales are up, but it would cost right. So if we look at the the underlying fundamentals, sure. So w- what does the street look at? It looks at your overall revenues, right? But what you really should be looking at is what is the cost to you. So what do I specifically mean? If you think of what happened this last holiday season. And I'll, I'll reference a, a Lee and Fung report uh, that we were looking at earlier. Uh, it, it shows disappointing, let's say, sales uh, um, results given the fact that there was a lot of discounting in December just to make those numbers, right? And then you also had uh, the low traffic. So the low traffic contributes to less people walking in your shop which means that you're going to have to discount more uh, in order to make those sales in the shop. Mm-hmm. Although the bright spot was e-com, right? So this this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the, let's say, omni-channel just being the way it is because essentially e-com businesses are actually picking up more 
than brick and mortar stores. That means higher sales increases. Again, doesn't mean the brick and mortar is going away at right. all. That's not, not what I'm saying. But it, it's just this whole shift that we're seeing. Right. Well, and this is the thing is that um, it seems like retailers need to be careful not to get too caught up in the success of e-commerce because it's, it's you know, you got you got to wonder where that where that growth capability is. Maybe for some it is e-commerce. Maybe that's where they're going to grow. Um, but when you know, when you look at these these the, the issues they're having with with the in-store sales, meaning unnecessarily high markdowns and, you know, potential stockouts and things like that, how can they how can they do better at avoiding those things? To really kind of, you know, take away that that if their stores are having issues, to take away that decline a little bit, and, and it'll help them overall, right? So, but the, I guess the question is also how can they do better with their in store in store experience and sales anyway? Yeah, I mean, look, if you think about this, it, it's sure we all have to make numbers, yeah. but again, with everything that's going on, there's so many things that are going on that you kind of have to say, well, okay, do I just want sales or do I want actually sales that will provide me with a decent margin at in order to make a profit? Just because in, a sales increase is not indicative of, let's say, increased profit, right? Especially, especially at a markdown. Very much so, right, yeah. Which is what I'm getting at. So although uh, the number is a little bit under 4% in terms of an increase, uh, my big question is really at what cost? Mm-hmm to the individual retailers. Yeah, agreed. Who knows? I mean, I think we'll see, well, we, we will see um, with, you know, earnings announcements. But right now, it seems like it's just, yeah, I think most of the things we've seen has been related to, uh, is, has been related to raw sales. Right, exactly. And, and you know, it, it's still, we have a general temperature check, but uh, overall, as you know, it's going to take a little while to get the 10Ks out, right? Uh, and everything, you know, fully so we can make a full call that, that's pretty concrete and accurate. But but yeah. I guess what we're saying really is that these are the early indicators of what we're seeing uh, that happened December 2016. Yeah. And you know what? And this like this. So I was just going to speak quickly about some department stores and what their results were. So. Um, again, speaking of raw sales, sales at department stores were down, um, were down 7% adjusted year over year <clears throat> while the clothing and accessory stores increased 2.5%, but the, um, department stores are just constantly getting battered. It seems like with, um, these, these challenges of, of keeping pace and this kind of, you know, ties into what we were talking about for this next topic around the, uh, the retail wreckage because it, it didn't take much time before in you know when when the when the when the date clicked over to 2017 in fact right before that there were already some announcements about macy's and uh kmart and jc and just just following up on that there's been a slew of of department stores that have been speaking about um you know paring down their stores or immediately closing stores so they seem to have department stores, especially seem to be having an issue with uh, that omni-channel thing we spoke about before, and making sure that you know they're becoming profitable in all angles here, and actually making that migration either from from this more store-centric approach, maybe having too many storefronts, um, and also aligning that with their with their with their omni with their I guess their online business, which 
Amazon has started to eat into in general, their business overall. So they've got this balance issue happening right now, right? They've got a lot of underperforming stores and they've got to be able to either reinvest those those closures or just to do something different, think outside the box in ways that they can uh, reinvent themselves in a way, right? Yeah. And I think, look, some of them are in a death spiral. And why yeah. is this? Well, and let's go back in time. Let's go back pre-pre-Omnichannel. So let's go back even in the mid-80s. We knew that malls were at overcapacity, meaning that there was more mall space back then than there were actual stores to fill them. And so a lot of space, a lot of – so what does, did this mean? This meant more concretely that it was cheaper to open up a store, right, in terms of overhead. So it was an expansionary period. Then what we had was consolidation. Consolidation meaning acquisitions and growth. And so a lot of companies acquired other companies and there was a lot of duplication. But then nobody ever made the hard decision of closing down stores in the 80s and 90s. Why? Because if you think of the incentives for a CEO, because if it is a public company, they could, let's hypothetically say, purchase other, uh, let's say, retailers, then what happens is the incentive is to make your numbers in order to make your bonus, and it's on a quarterly earnings basis. Uh, at that time, it might have been a monthly, you know, year-on-year type of metric because there was no omni-channel. This, it, uh, let's say, retailers stopped uh, showing comp sales because it's not that relevant nowadays, and so if you look at the incentives, all misaligned because if anything you're not going to shut down stores if you have to, right? If, if you have duplication in the same town, because you know what? It's going to bring down sales, which is going to make you look bad. And it's not going to help you with the bonus, right. which is un- unfortunately, it's the unspoken uh, component of partially what's going on at public companies. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to think about that, but it's, I mean, if you think back to those years, though, it would have been a lot harder to close these stores, to shut doors of an underperforming store, because that was their only way of selling, right? I mean, it's, um, but you see all these ones now, though. I mean, you see um, the limited. I mean, that's, that's been around forever. You know, this, these, these stores that are going to be shut and pretty much, sh- aren't they shutting all? They're shutting all. 235, right? Yeah, the, yeah, chapter 11. They're in chapter right. 11 right now. Yep. So that's that. And, and I think part of it is this too, right? It's not just having the stores, but uh, what we often don't get into is the type of product. Is it the right product uh, for a given consumer in a given time period, right? Because if you think of the limited heyday, the limited heyday was really eight, the 80s and mm-hmm. early 90s. Mm-hmm. And then... I'm not sure how much it evolved, but I, I after the early '90s, I, I don't think it. I think it lost its cool factor. Yes, agreed. agreed. Product-wise, right, and so they needed to reinvent themselves. It's no different than if we look at the uh, young, let's say the the young younger clothes, like uh, American or teenage clothes, like American Eagle, Abercrombie. Um, that's a demographic thing as we've talked, as we've talked about, right? Meaning because a larger portion of the population, millennials grew out of it, they move on to the next brand. Mm -hmm. So the next, 
generation that comes is a little bit smaller than millennials and they're not going to necessarily want to wear what their brothers and sisters wore. They might find something else. Maybe they do. But yeah, even if they all did, Z, right? Exactly. <laughs> even if all of Generation Z wanted to wear exactly the same brands to emulate them, which is also possible, their in concrete numbers are not enough to sustain the type of businesses that were actually uh, possible with uh, millennials. Right. Well, and Gen Z is not as brand loyal as the millennials are. So that's going to be a challenge for those, you know, for those brands that rely on that. And, you know, so they're going to see some shifts and they're going to have to uh, adapt to it. But, um, you know, we're obviously we're, I think the, these closures and, and changes are, this is that, that time of year for that. So, um, and, and we've talked about in previous episodes, Amazon diving in a bit to the fast fashion and Amazon diving into lately into athleisure and, and those areas are really going to have an impact on many of these stores. And yes. uh, we're going to, it's just, it seems to be just beginning. I mean, this, the hemorrhage in the past month or so was, was more than I thought would happen right off the bat. I don't know about you. I guess, you know, you may be expecting it um, just because of your general knowledge of the industry, but it seemed, it seemed like a fair amount uh, right away to me uh, off the bat. I mean, and especially now, including, including uh, plans for, for, you know, restructuring in a way at, at Walmart and, you know, of course with Target um, getting, trying to get back on the ball from a, um, from an operational perspective. And, and, and they've had years of, of, of issues in that regard. And, and Neiman Marcus and all these, all these, all these guys really trying to reinvent what they're doing and prevent this from happening further or at all for, for some brands. So um, it's just shocking, right? Yeah, e- even we, we've talked about this, like you said, and we saw this coming uh, the last few years, but when you actually see it happen, yeah, it's like shocking because what what's happening? What's happening is with the closures that unfortunately they have to take a hit on. What we're really witnessing is less retail jobs. Period. Less jobs, mm-hmm. in, not only in sales on the sales floor, but you'll have operations, store managers, and then where does everybody go? Right. And, and this is um, actually that, that was a good lead into this other part of the section that I want to speak to, which <clears throat> which happened at NRF. So there is this new coalition type thing that seems to be uh, it must be the, the first year of it. It's called uh, it's called Rise Up and Rise stands for Retail Industry Skills and Education. And what what um, what's happening here is that there is apparently 21 merchants being coming together. Uh, including a lot of the ones I just mentioned before, uh, Walmart, uh, Neiman, Under Armour, and they are coming together and they're coming together, putting together this this training and credentialing program for for employees to help them gain skills, kind of gain professional prowess, you know, training um, specific to retail. And this is really cool because retail has an incredibly high turnover, right? And everyone knows that. You know, um, again, this is thinking more towards the in-store employees, but the value of the in-store employees maybe hasn't been fully realized. You know, it's those stores, those brands that really uh, that helps them grow from a, you know, a simple uh, shelf stalker or something like that up to someone who's making decisions related to those store operations or managing a set of stores or managing a region or even getting into a higher level at the corporate location. So it's I think it's this growth and kind of stemming that that bleed of 
of of turnover that retailers normally see, which is something ungodly, like sixty or seventy percent or something like that. Sixty percent. Yeah. So if they can maybe stem that, keep more people, train them better, and help them succeed, those people that started at the you know those lower levels are going to have incredible knowledge, and they're going to you know they they may they may be able to help retailers perform better in the future. So this is a really cool initiative in my opinion because it. I'm surprised there wasn't like anything like this prior, but it's really neat. It just pulls everyone together and uh, offers some some clear training and uh, you know just just honestly something that employees can use to uh, to grow themselves and something retailers can use to try to to grow their own business with people that they trust. Yeah, I, I agree. Except except this, it should have been done a long time ago because when retailers was saw- there really nothing like this at all ever. No, because the NRF is is the biggest lobbying group for retailers, mm-hmm. and so it, it's really the only way to have a cohesive initiative like yeah. this, right? And if you think, okay, you mentioned Amazon earlier. Think of Amazon Go. Amazon Go is going to take RFID, fuse it with uh, location, right? And you're going to check out on your own. Mm-hmm. So if that is more of the future or the future to come, Mm. then the only way for physical brick and mortar retailers that actually have unique products would be also to have unique service, right? Because it's inconsistent. They they always talk about, this is retailers, they, uh, about having a great experience at retail, which is what retail was really founded on, right? It's a great experience. Like Bloomingdale's in its heyday, in the late 70s and 80s, right, Bloomies, um, where it was an experience that you had. Retail was experiential. They've forgotten this. So you walk into a store. I'm not sure about you, Todd, but I can't – I'm trying to – I'm grappling right now as I'm talking to think of a store that gives me an incredible experience. Right. Where you walk in and you're like, wow. Even if I don't buy, it doesn't matter because I'll remember them and come back and eventually buy Right where you you walk by, wow, that customer service was really great. I, I could think of one, but but I'm not sure if I could think of many more than that. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this will help lead into that. But <clears throat> I, I, yeah, no, I agree. It's a very interesting initiative. It's something um, that is maybe trying to defragment a very fragmented industry, right? So maybe help everyone, almost like a a last ditch effort. I hate to even say that, but at pulling everyone together to say, hey, listen, we need to share and, you know, teach each other how to do better at what we're doing and not be so uh, exclusive in a way. However, you know, you do see a lot of these events throughout the season and a lot of a lot of uh, situations where, you know, w- you know, Walmart or, or, or Macy's executives will go to events and they'll speak about what they're doing and they'll share best practices and stuff like that. But are they getting tactical enough and are they really getting to the point where they can, um, you know, use it in this way, like for this training and credentialing initiative. So I think this is great. Yeah. And you think it's great. Everyone they probably thinks it's great. So um, I, I don't know any, any negative to this. I mean, it, I don't know how much resources goes into this for them or, or anything like that, but I, I would think overall, this is, this is a very good idea to kind of help, help, help this, you know, this retail wreckage we've been talking about become less of a factor over the next few years and um, keep things at bay. Right. I mean, we'll have to see in the execution. I think conceptually is an idea. Awesome. Mm-hmm. As you said, but if they could execute, meaning if they could get these attrition rates from 60% down incrementally, 
right, um, and minimize it, that'll be at least a step in the right direction. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Well, that's that. That is the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, all those places that you listen to your uh, your favorite podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at, at BrickDataCast. And until next time, take care, everybody. And Jose, thank you, man. Thanks.